ago, he has undergone major surgery to put organs back where they belong, but he continues to fight major, major pulmonary hypertension. Um, they're going through tests to see if they can't find a solution, trying some different medication, but I know the family would greatly appreciate prayer. The little baby's name is Emerson. Uh, two months old, I, I can't imagine what this family is going through. But before we turn to the word this morning, let's have prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you that you do hear and answer prayer. And we do lift up this little baby to you and we lift up this family to you and ask that if it be your will that you would grant the healing touch that that little one needs. Just help this family through this time and guide and direct the doctors. And Lord, be with us now as we turn to your word. Teach us, we pray, through your word, through your Holy Spirit, and speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jessica, for reading the scripture for us, and I will not go back and read it again. Um, but I want to just share a little bit this morning. I believe it's next Sunday that would be Pentecost Sunday, but it's also Memorial Day. But the Lord has laid on my heart to share about the work of the Holy Spirit. In 1980, um, I, and this was before I know some of you were even born, but I had the opportunity and the privilege of attending Houghton College. Now, one of the highlights of my time at Houghton was listening to some well-known speakers and some not so well-known speakers. And I learned a lot during my time there. I eventually ended up going and finishing my education at United Wesleyan College in Allentown. But I don't regret the year I spent at Houghton. One guest speaker in chapel left me with a big impression of what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives every day. His name was Reverend John Bechtel. He was a missionary. His parents had been missionaries before him. He was a missionary speaker, and he followed in the footsteps of his parents, and he told the story about taking some young people, some teens, on a retreat up on a mountain. And he was afraid that they were going to get hungry, so he brought some bread and he brought a toaster and he brought some things so that they could have a snack while they were up there on the mountain. And when they reached a plateau, he grabbed his backpack, took out of his backpack the toaster, set it up before them with a cord just draped across the rock and brought out some toast some bread to make toast, and he asked the students if they were interested in having a snack. And of course, they're snickering under their breath because they knew, and we know, that a toaster will not work unless it's plugged into a source of power. Okay? It won't work. And a lot of things that are supposed to be plugged into electricity to work won't work. They won't work without being plugged in. In fact, a few years ago, I was frustrated trying to get our wood stove. We've got an insert in our fireplace and the blower motor just would not work. It would not work. I could not get it to work for anything and Brandon came in and pushed the plug in the outlet and there you go, mom. <laughs> but isn't that, isn't that the way life is? Isn't that a toaster is not gonna work unless it's plugged into a power source. 
The blower motor on our wood stove would not work unless it was plugged into a power source. A lot of things won't work unless they're plugged into a power source. And Reverend Bechtel that day went on to bring us to the spiritual realm. And he made it very clear that unless we are plugged in to God's source of power, we're going to struggle just as much as if we're trying to get toast out of a toaster that's not plugged in. Let's move on here today. You and I do not have the power in and of ourselves to live godly Christian lives unless we are plugged into a spiritual source of power. Too many people who call themselves Christians are like that toaster, trying to live for God, trying to do what's right in their own strength, in their own power, in their own ability. And I'm going to be honest with you, it won't work. It won't work. And I have had many people come to me and tell me, as a pastor, you know what, I just, I can't live the Christian life. I can't do it. And I look at them and they say, no, you can't. You can't. But God has provided everything that we need to live the kind of life that he calls us to. I want to look this morning at some, a couple of promises that God had made in regard to power from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This is a promise from the Old Testament. We have another promise from the Old Testament. Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Two promises from the Old Testament that God would give his power through his Holy Spirit to his people. Jessica read the passage from Acts chapter 1. Let me highlight verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are the words of Jesus. You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Old Testament prophets had had prophesied a day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out, not just on an individual here and an individual there, but on God's people. Likewise, while Jesus was still with his disciples, he had told them that he would send another comforter. He would send the Holy Spirit who would be with them forever, who would teach them, who would guide them, who would bring back to their remembrance his teachings. After his resurrection and just prior to his ascension to heaven, he promised them again that he would send the Holy Spirit. And he promised them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit and given power to be witnesses in his name. And let me tell you this morning, that promise wasn't just for those early believers, wasn't just for that early church. That promise is for all of us. 
as we move on, we come to the outpouring of that power. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, and I like that, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What a day that must have been. What a day that must have been. They were gathered together in one place when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Years ago, I led a group of ladies in a Bible study called Meeting the Spirit. It's a life guide Bible study. And I asked the question in one of those meetings, when did the event of the coming of the Holy Spirit take place? When did the event of the coming of the Holy Spirit take place? I was looking for one answer, but one lady, and I don't remember for the life of me now who it was, she gave this answer when they were in one accord. We look at it as Pentecost, but when they were in one accord, that's when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had commanded his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. After his ascension into heaven, he told them to wait in Jerusalem until he poured out the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They had to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They had to wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. It was that intense time of prayer and waiting and uniting together as one that prepared their hearts for what God was about to do. If we look at those disciples prior to the death and the resurrection of Christ, they were struggling. You look at Peter. Peter was very impetuous. Peter I, I think the word is impetuous. I think that just sums it all up. He did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. The others were struggling, but that time of waiting brought them together in unity, brought them together in one, prepared their hearts for what was about to happen. While they were gathered together in that room, the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit was poured out on all of them, and it occurred during a special Jewish feast. So the disciples weren't the only ones gathered together. Jerusalem was packed full of pilgrims who had come for that Jewish feast. So when the Holy Spirit came on these who were gathered in that room, it wasn't a secret of what was happening. The whole city soon became aware that something, something had happened in that room. Many of them did not understand. They had no clue because all of a sudden they're hearing the message about Jesus Christ proclaimed in their own language. And there were people from all over the world and it's like, this is, this is weird. This is different. In fact, they thought the followers of Christ were drunk and, and they were told very clearly, no, it's too early in the morning. It's nine o'clock in the morning. They're, we're not drunk. This is the power of the Holy Spirit come upon us. 
Peter in Acts chapter two, verses 32 and 33 said, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. The coming of that Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of what Jesus had talked about, the fulfillment of that promise was the fulfillment of what Jesus had talked about and was proof, and I like this, was proof that Jesus was where he had said he was going. He had been exalted to the right hand of the Father. He was there in heaven. He was there, but he had given the Holy Spirit to these followers. Peter on that day of Pentecost preached a very, very powerful message. And Peter was just a fisherman. He was not a well-known, well-taught teacher or preacher, but when the Holy Spirit came on him, he proclaimed a wonderful and powerful message. And the people who were gathered who heard him, their hearts were touched. Acts 2, 37 through 39, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When that Holy Spirit came in power like a mighty wind, there were tongues of fire over the heads of these believers. Peter stood up and started preaching a powerful message explaining what had happened, what they had done to Jesus, how Jesus had been exalted to the right hand of the throne of God. And the Holy Spirit not only came with power on them, but started working in the hearts of those who were gathered in Jerusalem. They were torn. They had no idea. And they said to Peter, what should we do? What should we do? And he gave them instructions, repent, repent, turn from your sins. When we confess our sins, we admit that we have done wrong. When we repent from our sins, we turn from those sins. We turn back to God and we live a life that is honoring and glorifying to him. He says, repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And let me just clarify here this morning, baptism is an outward sign of what God has done in our hearts and lives. Baptism is not going to save us, but it's a sign that we are saved by the grace of God. It's a sign that God has done a mighty, powerful work in our hearts and our lives. And it is our testifying publicly to this wonderful truth. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Revival broke out that day. Revival broke out that day. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's wonderful, isn't it? That's powerful. We need that kind of a revival, don't we? We need that kind of a revival. We need a special moving and outpouring of God's Holy Spirit on our churches and our country and our world today. And it's only gonna come 
as we repent of our sins and come back to God, as we repent of our sins and let God do a mighty, powerful work in us. And that's a sermon for another day. I was actually going to preach on on revival this morning, but the Lord led this direction. Let's move on here. There's something, a couple of other things I want us to see. The secret of power isn't just a one-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's a continual filling of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul wrote, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The secret of power is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The the secret of spiritual power is not just knowing where that power comes from. It's actually being filled through and through with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to be honest with you. I took a couple of years of Greek in college, and there's not a lot of things I understand, but I do understand and I do remember that there were Greek tenses, tenses in the Greek language that we don't have in the English. And this is one of those cases where if we take a look at the Greek tense, it makes more sense to us. The sense here that is used is not a one-time filling with the Holy Spirit, but an ongoing, continuous process, an ongoing, continuous being filled with the Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we are given the Holy Spirit. There are times when we may receive a special outpouring, but for the believer, it's to be an ongoing, ongoing thing. Go back to the toaster. We can't plug that toaster in once and expect to, and unplug it and expect to have power over and over and over again. It has to stay plugged into that source of power for it to continue to work. And as Christians, isn't that true with us? As Christians, we need to be continually plugged in to the Spirit of God so that he can work in us and through us. We need to be filled and keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to stay connected to the source of power and continually receive our power from him. That was the key to the effectiveness of the ministry of those early apostles. They were not just filled at Pentecost. It was an ongoing daily thing that the Holy Spirit just lived in them and empowered them and enabled them to do the work that God had given them to do. We come to one question, though. How can I know, how can you know if we have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God? There's a couple of passages I want us to consider. One is from Romans, one is from Galatians. Romans 8, 15 through 17. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And then Galatians 3, 6, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts 
the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. How can we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us? Because the Holy Spirit himself will testify with our spirits that we are children of God, that we are sons of God, daughters of God, that we are his children and that he does indeed live in us. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to wonder. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to struggle. God's spirit himself will testify with our spirit that we are his children and that we indeed are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back to the platform here. Let me ask you this morning, let me ask you this morning, are you plugged into God's power? Are you plugged into God's power? Are you, or are you like that toaster, powerless, because it's not plugged into a source of power? Are you trying to live the Christian life and the power God provides? Or are you trying to live the Christian life in your own strength and power? If you are, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't work. We need his power. We need his Holy Spirit living in us. Have you discovered how useless and frustrating it is to try to live each day on your own, in your own strength, in your own power, in your own wisdom? It is frustrating, isn't it? Have you received the Holy Spirit of God? Does the Holy Spirit live in you and fill you through and through? Let me assure you, his power is available to you today. Will you let his spirit fill you through and through and empower you to live the Christian life he has called you to? Will you allow his spirit to continually, to continually fill you through and through and empower and enable you to live the Christian life. Let me remind you this morning, that's his gift to you. It's his gift. The Holy Spirit is not something we can beg for or plead for. We just need to receive it as his gift for us. As we close, I'm going to have prayer. The worship team is going to lead us in a song, but if anybody is wanting to have special prayer this morning. I'll meet you, I'll gladly meet you here at the altar. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for these scriptures that we have looked at. Thank you for the wonderful things that you have done for us through Jesus Christ. But we also thank you for the wonderful gift of your Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, those early believers were empowered to do mighty things in the name of Jesus. Not in their own strength or power or ability, but through the one living in them. And we thank you that that same Holy Spirit is available to us. And this morning we just ask you to come and fill us anew. Fill us afresh. If there is someone here who does not yet know what you have provided, Lord, work in these closing moments. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We thank you. We thank you for your word and the power it provides in our lives. 
the inerrancy in it. And that we're able to see you through your words. We get to know who you are. Just like you told Moses, I am that I am. You are who you are. You are who we see you to be in the Bible. You are grace. You are love. You are hope. You are justice, Lord. And I pray, I pray as we go this morning, as we transition into this time of your church's business and we we steward your church I pray I pray that we would continue and always do it based on your words to move forward based on your words and move in the power that that gives us, your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.